Hello everyone and welcome back to the Safe Space podcast where we talk about all things video games and mental health. For those who don't know, the main goal of Safe in Our World is to create and foster worldwide mental health awareness within the video games industry. My name is Rosie and today I am joined by two guests, Charlotte McBurney and Hannah Rutherford. Charlotte is a BAFTA-nominated actress, well-known for her role as Amicia in the Plague Tale series, and Hannah, also known as Lamadia, is a wonderful content creator and a Safe in Our World patron. Today we're going to be talking about Amicia's character in Plague Tale Innocence and Requiem, Charlotte's experiences voice acting in a really emotionally challenging narrative, and also doing a short spoiler cast unpacking the ending of Plague Tale Requiem, uh, which we will do a spoiler warning before we start talking about, don't worry. In this episode, we will be covering topics including trauma and loss as part of this podcast. So if that's not for you, that is totally okay, but this is just a short content warning. With that being said, let's bring in our two wonderful guests for today. I want to start off on a on a light note because I feel like it's the way yes. to go, right? <laughs> um, and there are, like I was talking to someone yesterday, there are a few fleeting moments of joy within these games, but they do happen and they are there and it's nice to appreciate them and let them sit. Um, and one of my absolute favourite ones, which I discovered yesterday, was... Um, I say to Hannah, it's Aki Duck. Oh the way that yes. in innocence. Goes, oh, yeah. oh, it's so good. My it's heart. so good. It's just the way that he calls the aqueduct Aki Duck for like 10 minutes and then yeah. it just doesn't get corrected for ages. And it, no. my you heart. can't correct that stuff. You no. cannot correct that. I mean, even like little, um, I, I, like my little cousin, I saw her the other day and she was like, um, she was like talking we we went to see a dance show and she was like some of the dancing was really inappropriate and all of us like adopted this word inappropriate we weren't going to correct her and say it's inappropriate I mean it's a really really small thing but none of us were going to correct her because it's adorable and it's better yeah (laughs) anything a kid comes up with is infinitely better I love that so much right you just have to let it be it's it's what's so endearing about these characters and about people in general is like I yeah I just love it so much and I wondered if you had any like favorite smaller moments yeah definitely I definitely I mean I I think they released a picture really early on before Requiem was released they released that image of him up on her shoulders and I was like this is so because the physicality of that is so sweet and um for me a big one is after they've gone through the fair I mean there are so many moments in that fair bit in chapter two I think which are just so endearing and sweet and there's one bit where when they've just come into the house where he's really tired and he's denying that he's tired but she calls him a sleepy beast and then she picks him up and I'm just like it's so cute it's so So cute cute. (laughs) I love and there's also when she's been really injured and she gets him to race with her and she's just like let's just you know last one there's a chicken or whatever it is and it's she it's just so sweet because she she's in so much pain (laughs) she's like trying to get him to play and actually enjoy moments of childhood in the middle of this world of devastation and that just breaks my heart and then I love that she laughs at him when he falls over in that moment as well (laughs) yeah because she's also just like she's she's also gets little moments of enjoying childhood small brief moments (laughs) yeah what about you Hannah oh there's just some basically chat and I played um the original when it came out so mm. there was a little bit less known about where it was going to go things like when the rats first appear very circa brendan fraser mummy like huge thumbs up for me but um this this very pleasant surprise of a really lovely sibling dynamic mm. um and there's just stuff like i think at one point amicia's like you have to say thank you to people and he just takes that and runs with the whole game. He is so gorgeous with it. There's a bit right in the, I think right at the end of the first game where you're back in like a marketplace. Yeah. And he says thank you to someone. And we were just like, oh my God, he's remembered. He's learning. And just all of that, even even the little tantrums of like, yeah. I'm not tired. All of that is so, it's so bang on the money in terms of how it's written and performed that it's just, it's just gorgeous. The whole thing is just gorgeous. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I love that so And then we're just all here going, oh, I know. (laughs) Uh, Like, just things like the flowers as well. Like, I I quite, 
I got quite into gardening in my like early thirties, <laughs> and um, it's just him going around like. I want that and it being yeah. a real plant and that just something about that and them also being like quite research wise quite real flowers for that time yeah and just those layers just really made it just you know and then when he was like no I'm not doing that now we're doing feathers I was like that's very typical behavior <laughs> of a small child that's like getting into things we're yeah. gonna swivel we're just gonna do feathers now like I don't care <laughs> absolutely it's- stunning it's such, I mean, anyone who's got children or who's spent time with kids and looked after them, it's just like, I feel that there are so many little notes of nuance that are so childlike um, yeah. and just beautiful in that way. And the way that he, yeah, I, I hadn't even noticed that thank you thing, but that's, he really takes what she says seriously. Like if Amicia tells him to do something, he's like, oh, okay, it's really, really important that I do that now. And it's just so lovely. Even like when she's helping him get up like ladders and stuff, he's always like, is this something? It's just... Yeah. <laughs> well, those those lines are always so funny because those will come in a batch of generics. Um, and so we'll do we'll do like generic ladder and you have to have loads of variations because there are so many ladders in the game or whatever it is. And so you have to do... And they'll always, you know, and we would sometimes spend a long time kind of talking about like, if there were other ways that we could actually say something. I think we'd have these, because also the script was, um, it was just sometimes something would be written in more of, I think something that made sense more in French than in English. And we would sometimes mm. pick up on it and go, oh, I think we need, actually need to find a different way of saying that. But you're, you're standing there going, what is like a different way that I can say, climb up, come on, you know, and you're just yeah. doing these, climb up and, you know, up here, come let's go and you know you're doing all of these and you're just like oh my god it all sounds like nothing suddenly <laughs> and I think also we discovered especially with the French accent in the first game if you had we had a lot of generics which were like Hugo you go first and we had to really put that comma in because otherwise it was like Hugo you go first and it just sounded so stupid <laughs> yeah. oh my god I picked on, up on that because every time you said that I was just like Oh, it rhymes. That's so nice. I, yes. that. <laughs> <laughs> I just got the giggles every time we were doing it. And then we found it in with Arno as well, that it sounded like, oh, no. Um, yeah. yeah. Because, especially because I don't tend to say, oh, no, in a kind of, oh, no, like really rounded, oh, I'm kind of like, oh, no. And then it just, it just instantly sounds like the name Arno. And I was like, we need different names. <laughs> yeah, I, this is one of the things I loved from the first one was, uh, because I don't think I'm trying to think how many games we have set in France, let alone yeah. like a, a medieval hundred year war kind of vibe. Um, so I really liked the the Frenchness of it because we <laughs> don't have that much, and I just it was great. But I can totally see why it was tweaked a little bit because just to make it a little bit more accessible to some folks. But I I would have slapped it all in French, to be quite honest, at certain points, and just be like, yep, subtitles, let's go. Yeah. Um, I mean, the French voice actors, I will say, I did check out their work, and it is amazing. So that's a whole other experience that you can go in and explore. Um, It's just something a little bit different. But yeah, the French French voice actors do a beautiful, beautiful job. Um, But obviously there was just this thing with the English where they wanted to cast actual kids um, which I think me. is a really good idea. Like it's yeah. it's the amount of times, like just to name one game out there, Skyrim. The amount of times <laughs> that there are these kids and they're just so unrealistic. They're either written as like just little adults, yeah. or just have some weird, like all they do is whine or all they do is they're bratty. There's no dimensions to them, which I think is also why not just Amicia, but also Hugo is really well written because yeah. we, we have that depth. We have a range of emotions. It's not just, we need a child for <laughs> this specific family. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it just, all of that is done so beautifully. And I do think with casting actual, one of the funny things about voice acting is you have the script in front of you. You can be incredibly polished and enunciated and say the line until you say it perfectly. And so you can really do a kind of beautiful read of the line. And when you've got kids, you have much more natural um, swallowing the words a little bit or tripping up on a word a tiny, Mm. tiny bit, not being super clean about the line. And I think that is a big thing that and 
lends itself to that naturalism, particularly from the first game when Logan and I were both children. And it's, I think it just has that kind of thing where the directors often wanted to keep the natural little slip ups. And if, if you're sort of inhaling on a line and you get a bit of a hiccup and you miss, you know, and you're not super clear, that's how kids talk. Yeah. I also, you're fleeing for your life. Yeah. So I, I know. <laughs> also there's that. Yeah, it's just you know, slightly busy. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's something that I haven't really, even though we've had a lot of really good, uh, let's say, teenage and preteen characters, mm. since maybe 2012 onwards, we started getting Ellie, Clem. Um, oh, such good characters. I know, and it's just, oh, don't, don't. <laughs> sorry, don't. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I suppose Aloy sort of, she's kind of in going into her 20s, but it's like mm. all of these younger characters that are starting to be written and done so well. Um, and it's it's really lovely to see. It really is. And I fingers crossed we get more of this going forwards. Mm. Um, because you're right, I think that if you, you've got to get the right, actor for it but if you if you are aware of those lines you're aware of the writing it just serves to make it so much more authentic which means that we all get involved emotionally as well (laughs) don't we also am I right in thinking that you're going to be in another I think it's another game with Logan yes so Mm. we are in Final Fantasy 16 which is released (gasps) in June very very soon and yeah we're both in that which when I found that out because obviously with NDAs it's really you have to be I mean particularly an NDA for Final Fantasy I swear I've got images of like just being you know just sort of disappearing into the ground in case I'd spill anything (laughs) but I remember coming into the recording studio to record for Amicia and Logan was in as well and I was like oh my god have I got the wrong time why are you here? You know, we don't record together. And uh, his his mum said what project they were in for, the project codename. And I was like, oh my God, you're in that too? <laughs> oh, I love that. And it's, yeah. Um, so that's, that's I think that's really sweet because I think there are going to be the select few Venn diagram crossover between Plague Tale fans and Final Fantasy fans are going to be like, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Who have we got here? No, amazing. You guys Final Fantasy fans? I... (laughs) (laughs) No, that is a no then. The issue issue is, because I think I maybe played a couple of them in my my childhood, but I didn't have the consoles. Mm. So I kind of didn't get into them, I think, at the right time to understand a lot of the lore. Um, I've played like the I've played the like Final Fantasy is it fourteen Realm Reborn the the MMO one I've played a bit of that yeah. um, and I would love to do it but it's just like I can't coax my brain into going let's learn an entire yeah I think I have to wait for it to go oh and maybe that'll be maybe that'll be Final Fantasy sixteen <laughs> it will suddenly suddenly click in and That's go now issue. we learn everything I know Knowing who Cloud is so many like and I know who Sephiroth is. <laughs> See, I don't know um, any of this. I'm like, I'm it. terrible. I'm a bad gamer. I don't know any if of you, this If stuff. you want to try hard mode, add some Kingdom Hearts in there because <laughs> it's it's completely irrelevant and not connected now, but it is so confusing. Oh, and yeah, but I, no, Final <laughs> Fantasy 16. Final Fantasy 16. Yeah. Maybe this will be the one. This is where I start. Because the worlds look beautiful. Like I want to. Yeah. But I'm just overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that I don't know that I feel like I'm not going to appreciate it as much as I should, you know? Yeah, and to be, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not yet. I intend to discover the Final Fantasy world a little bit, but I I don't know how much this one really compares to previous in the series. But the lead of the, of the game, um, the guy who plays Clive, Ben Starr, he is a massive Final Fantasy nerd, which just feels really beautiful and full circle. And he's a massive Final Fantasy nerd, so he's played all of them and knows everything about Final Fantasy. So I feel like he's got a proper appreciation, so I just need to pick his brains on how much this one compares to the others and, yeah, how you enter into that massive world. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Intimidating. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I've just had a quick uh, quick Google. June 22nd. Yes, Um, that's right. But it is saying that this one is potentially set to be the best point to jump in at this ah. so so this might be it there we I go should, yeah 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 this one is i believe the best to jump into yeah i mean 
If it's it'll be nice. You can you can run into Hugo and Amicia and that'll be yeah. <laughs> just just recalibrate. Just get out of my way, everyone. That. I'm not looking for anybody else. <laughs> just uh no. It that that sounds amazing. Also an a, a huge franchise as well. So Yeah. Which amazing. felt so different yeah. to doing Plague Tale, where it was like we got to come in at the start and we were kind of building the franchise together and it was it that was really fortunate and lovely but it's also really cool to jump on board to something that is so massive and exists in its own way was it nice to like start building this franchise that then went on to not only be like BAFTA nominated (laughs) but also just absolutely adored by so many people because like it's it kind of came out of nowhere and then there was so much love for it like was it nice to be able to see like the start and the growth of that as well Oh my god, yes. I mean, that was so special because it's just, I loved it. <laughs> it's nice that other people did as well. And I think we put so much love and care into it and I love the team. I mean, the Asobo team are just all such sweethearts. And so I think they deserve everything and more. And so it's really nice to see that something that they've poured their heart and souls into to be to get such positive reception. And it's just so sweet to see how much people connect with a story that I feel connected to and it yeah it feels like there's this big network and also the Plague Tale fans are really lovely I've got friends who are voice actors who are from various different worlds and some of their fan base is a little scary or they're a little intimidating or they're very intense and just the Plague Tale fans are just sweet <laughs> just so nice <laughs> Especially in contrast with the world as well. Like, I feel like you have to be sweet <laughs> to yeah, get through yeah. these games, you know? Completely. Yeah. <laughs> sweet and a little bit troubled. Yeah. It's our fan base. Yeah. Damaged goods. <laughs> Damaged goods. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So I want to talk a bit about Requiem specifically. So that was actually the mm. first game that I ended up playing um, because it was on GamePad. Don't shake your head at me, <laughs> Hannah. Just, I, just you've done it in hard mode. I honestly... I know. <laughs> I really don't know why. It was on Game Pass. Innocence wasn't there. I didn't realise it was a sequel at the time. Uh, started playing it, understood it anyway, and was like, wow, this is incredible. And then I learned that Innocence was a thing and was like, oh, I'm going to need to play this before I speak to Charlotte. <laughs> Although I think that one, at least, then you get a more... You get an uplifting ending. It yeah, was so yeah. much. <laughs> if you play it backwards, you're like. Ah. I think if I played Requiem, like the, I played this yesterday. If I'd played Requiem yesterday and then had to speak to you today, I feel like I would have been broken. So um, yeah, <laughs> I'm kind of glad I've had some time to be able to adjust to that. But I think <laughs> one of the themes that is is pretty evident to a lot of players as well is that kind of not being able to let go throughout the mm. entire entirety of the game and it's kind of obviously maximized towards the end and we'll go into spoiler territory a little bit later so that more people can listen to this this part of the, the podcast the nice part of the podcast <laughs> nice part. <laughs> <laughs> but like how did yeah. you get into that sort of how did you channel that energy of getting into a place where you're going to be sacrificing literally anything for your brother in game like how how do you even get into character for that first of all I'll say that it's it's there in the script and like that's it's it's it was just there like in a really lovely way and it made so much sense to me it felt very earned especially after doing the previous game for me I found innocence a lot harder in that respect because innocence was so she she was quite cold with him and there was this growth for me I've got little cousins and I nannied a lot and I've been very very close to the kids that I've nannied and I still see them, I still spend time with them. And when you're in that position of that, yeah, looking after someone and someone else's kid and you, you're a bit young and out of your depth, but also sometimes the parents are away for long periods of time or whatever's happening. Yeah, I mean, it's intense how like quickly and easily I felt like, oh, not that there were hordes of rats or soldiers coming after the children I was nannying, but I was like, oh, I'd fight that. Yeah, of course. And I also had a just a, having done the first game, you had such a love for Hugo and also by extension, Logan, because I had known him for a few years by then. And he's so fabulous. He's so brilliant. And it was just like, yeah, for me, that's a very easy emotion to access because I think I can feel that very quickly. Um, and 
yeah, I've always spent a lot of time with children and I feel very, <laughs> very protective over them. I think childhood is something that is beautiful and is probably something that a lot of actors connect to because we always retain that ability to play and which is why a lot of actors I think <laughs> we can also be a bit immature because um, <laughs> we preserve that child and so I think I've always connected well with kids I love so yeah that was a long ramble about <laughs> about that no it's lovely though and it's nice to see that you kind of have like a mirror in the relationship between Amicia and Hugo and you and Logan as well. So yeah. it's it's nice to be able to hear that as well. He's so great. He's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I also think it's really easy to forget that you are kids. Like, I know it sounds silly because yeah. like obviously the, a lot of the script and a lot of the, the gameplay is about you being kids and, and having that innocence. <laughs> um, but like, it's it gets dark really quickly. And so I guess like, how how did you feel about the progression of going from one extreme to the other about being a kid with, with Hugo uh, and, you know, giving each other like flowers and and sweet moments like that to then suddenly being like, oh yeah, I'm going to go and kill someone for you now, just back in a sec, you know? Yeah, it, it feels quite intense. It does have a little bit of a sense of like whiplash. Um, and because as much as possible we were trying to record sort of chronologically but it wasn't at all you are spotting about a lot um and so that in itself is quite weird but I don't think that Amicia's general journey through Requiem is that linear you know I think her big crack when she just starts mass murdering in the barn that's like chapter three or something it's 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 really early on so it's um I think that that she's got she kind of reaches extreme points, brings herself back down. I mean, you always have to, particularly for a playable character. It's really tricky narratively, I think, because you reach extreme points, but you will always have to get up and keep moving through the map or whatever it is. And it's, you'll always have to get back up and keep going. Um, So it was quite difficult. I mean, we recorded some very, very intense scenes and then would follow it up with really sweet, quiet moments and, you know, I because we were working on Requiem rather than Innocence, with Innocence I was always just trying to, like, just push myself and um, just do what was needed of me as quickly and effectively as possible. Whereas with Requiem, because I knew the team, I felt able to go, can I just have a minute? Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can you just give me, like, five seconds to collect myself? Because I would... I mean, I was crying in that booth a lot. They always were making a joke about how I was going through their entire stock of tissues because it was just... <laughs> and you can't just you can't just switch that on and then switch it off again. So, yeah, yeah, you do have to do a fair amount of winding down. I can imagine. Like, And there's a lot of really hard moments in Requiem specifically as well that's... I remember like playing through and being like, how are we going to wind down from this as a player, but also within the character itself? Because like, I, I would have to pause it for five minutes and be like, I need, I need to go and go for a walk around for a bit before I come yeah. back to this game. Like I need a break. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was the same for you, Hannah at all, but like, did you feel yeah. like you needed to take breaks when you were, because you had an well, audience when you were playing. I, yeah. So in fact, the original time I played Innocence, uh, I recorded it. So there was no one else there, but I basically did it in two sittings because like, I'm not, not really leaving this. I'm too invested. Mm. Um, it was, it was relatively late at night as well. So I was like, I could do whatever. Um, but then we replayed it on the, on Twitch. So I had it as part of a playlist ready for Requiem. Um, and what did strike me about, them is both of them are pushing forwards Mm. but with innocence it's a lot more there's a lot more fear and a lot more running away and avoidance if that makes sense where possible obviously whereas and it's almost like all of the emotions that Amicia feels then come out in Requiem as part of this trying to cope with the situation um, and also having to switch I mean, there's a couple of bits where um, there's the the boss fight guy in Innocence where you have to learn about armor the first time. Yes. And it's like, that's kind of one of the times where she's actually forced to do something that is beyond anything she probably imagined, incredibly violent. And it's kind of at that point you start to see how she's adjusting to that 
it, she's not adjusting to that at all. Yeah. As we find out in Requiem, but there's like, she has to put that on hold because Hugo is right there. Um, and that did strike me when I was playing through both of them is how that subtle change does happen. But yeah. then when it's too much for Amicia, just it boils over and it's like, that's such a, a horrible representation, but also quite an accurate representation, I think, of trauma. Mm. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of that stuff was, I think for me and for the audience, quite powerful. Um, because it, it so often you get these these stories where someone is pushing on and on and on and they have a little moment, but they don't really, like we don't really look at things like trauma. No. Um, I mean, there's some horrific stuff in the first one as well with the when the, the fog lifts and you're just on the battlefield. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. It's not necessarily direct violence to them, but it is still horrible, horrible things. It is. And there's, I think there is those sort of sweet moments where Amicia is attempting to preserve something of Hugo's innocence mm. where you know he's seen a million and five horrible violent things but she still sort of plaintively goes don't look and that kind of thing and I think with that with that first boss fight with the where she learns about the armor that's just after she's just killed someone for the first time and she shoots that person and you get this brief moment of like ears ringing and the big thing in the Plague Tale games in my head, which is the breath that you often in stealth sections and right after her father dies in innocence and like all of these moments where you get these kind of rapid <laughs> and really mm. intense breathing. And the, you get that really split second moment where she goes, oh my God, I've just killed someone, but then she has to keep running forward. So it's yeah. the beats of the game, which are quite intense where you do get these, you are given these little moments of she's not okay. Hang on to this. We're going to be building on this. Um, but also because it's a video game, you've got to keep moving and you've got to keep everything plowing forwards. She can't just curl up into a little ball. <laughs> and it's interesting because I was talking to the writer, Sebastian Renard, about the, about the game and about the mental health side of it, particularly in Requiem. And he was just like, I wrote this game for anxious people. <laughs> it's it's for anxious people it's an anxious game for anxious people <laughs> it's like putting it really lightly but I love that as well that he's there like I do think that's why a lot of people have connected to Probably. it yeah. yeah like especially I, th- I can't remember whereabouts this scene is but it's in Requiem and she goes she I think she like crawls through uh into like a little room and then just sits and cries for like maybe two minutes uh, or that's what it felt yeah. like in two minutes and just has a breakdown. And like, I remember just sitting there with her and just being like, you know what, this is, we can do this. We'll just sit here yeah. together and we'll cry and that's okay. Uh, it broke my heart, but like, it's very um, honest about having that little space when you don't really have time, but you need to have time just to sit and be with yourself and mm. feel for for a minute. So yeah. yeah. Interestingly, that, that spit is a souvenir so some people might not even find it i mean i don't think it's it's not the most difficult one to locate but they created that moment as in like oh for those of you who really who really wander around you're going to get this little moment of her cracking because she is always trying to hold up a front for everybody um yeah so yeah it's special I'm, I'm not sure i found that actually i can't remember uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I think it's um, optional. I like to explore yeah. everywhere, and then I remember like going in and was just like, maybe this is the way. And it's like, oh, it's not. Uh, maybe it, maybe I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that that kind of trauma stuff is stuff is stuff that's never really addressed, especially when you have stuff with war. There's a lot of glorification mm. and so forth, like a lot of war games that it's not necessarily like woo war, but it's not it's not going. Look, this is messy and messed up and yeah. horrible. Um, and the fact that there aren't guns because it is the 1300s, we've only got these crossbows, does make it a lot, a lot more gory, which means the impact of everything is a lot, a lot harder because yeah. you're seeing it or you're physically. I mean, she's she's smacking people around the face with either a crossbow or a sling, and she's fighting people who are like three three times her size as well. It's it's absolutely wild. Yeah, it really is, and I think that. Again, with the genre of video games, I think they've hit a really nice balance of... We would often record scenes, particularly when she's got her head injury or things like where she's got a big injury, where we would record bits. And we would do it where I was doing it more like a film, 
or more like, yeah, I guess more like a film where I was keeping that level the whole time where it's like she's in constant or physical or emotional pain. I was keeping that level up the whole time, but we would have to go back and dial some of it back because if you're going through a section that takes you 20 minutes to complete an encounter section that takes you 20 and you keep going back to certain checkpoints and every single time she's like oh my god you're like okay shut up like at this point just shush <laughs> and it's just it's too much and so <laughs> you have to you have to like someone has to be keeping an eye on like levels so that it's it's got continuity mm. and so we were kind of with pain we were often bringing it up in waves and bringing it because yeah people will be replaying moments over and over again and I mean I'm sure you still have that in Plague Tale and in other games as well where you're just like the first time I heard it it carried emotional impact the 27th time not so much (laughs) so it is it is really tricky because in games you do you know people do want to take out lots of soldiers in you know we're trying to get people to think about it morally particularly in Requiem when we were technologically able to have wider sections with more options of whether you want to do it entirely stealthily or with just combat and taking out everyone so we did want people to stop and think but also it it is a video game so you've you do have to balance that out where it's like yeah we're gonna have moral impact but she can't like gasp and drop her knees every time she kills someone it's just not gonna work no but you will have passive aggressive lucas in the side of you being like why did you do that (laughs) i love him he's so funny he's just so judgmental it's like okay you know what (laughs) you do something and then every so often he's just like salt peter and you're like thanks mate thanks Thanks great Um, more items so i can kill more people yeah and then he's like why did you kill them it's like just sometimes with lucas bless him i was like lucas i love you but let's be realistic here i'm not stealthing through this section that is not happening they all have to die and then he's judging me and i'm like do you want to live and get out of here or not shut up i'm doing this for you yeah, yeah lucas calm down thanks for salt peter <laughs> oh god i love lucas yeah me too what a sweetheart but <laughs> like come on oh. really quiet i love that bit when she's been like basically reprimanded to the point of like yeah you can't use your sling and then she just really goes um i think i'm gonna have to bring the sling back and he's like yeah okay (laughs) yeah fair enough i don't want to die yeah (laughs) i wonder why he got hit with a sudden moral i wonder i want to like side dlc where he like befriends a guard and suddenly gets a massive moral conscious about like these guards who have families and lives and he's like he needs to stop yeah i wonder where that comes from because it's like i think it sprouts from the barn it sprouts from that moment where she really cracks i think yeah. yeah i think it's kind of less about maybe it's less about the guards and more about her yeah because yeah. you can tell how much he cares about her yeah. yeah yeah and she is she is depending on <laughs> depending on how hard you go she is spiraling yeah at certain points so i can absolutely see him going can you not murder everyone because also we know without spoilers that it is something that is um that that she is going to go in that direction of being like if she's left to it the trauma potentially is going to lead her in this direction of a downward spiral of further violence unnecessary violence shall we say yeah completely and I think it's um I, I really enjoyed the moments where we could I mean I'd love to have like an enormous budget and ages to do it and be able to record like all of the strands so that you really chase moments that you can end up but we still Mm. had like moments of it where I remember recording whether you just come out of an encounter sequence and recording multiple versions of like one version is Lucas being like well done you know because they did it stealthily and he's like you didn't you know and she kind of aggressively is just like yeah well sometimes you just like you I'm annoyed that you made me do that. And she kind of snaps at him in this sort of, oh God, okay, yeah, great. I didn't kill anyone. And then there are mo- and then there's a sort of medium kill. Like we killed some people and he's like, well done, but you did, you know, you did, you, know, you were a bit violent. And she's like, okay, Lucas, like I tried to hold back. And then there's the third version, which is just like, she took out everybody. <laughs> he's just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> she's there like, she's like, well, this is how it goes it's just i love doing those three different versions because i was suddenly like oh yeah people are gonna play it in different ways 
it's nice yeah. having that awareness when you're recording of individual players choices yeah because I remember like when I was playing it I was like do I need to kill people like is it and then I was like I realized I had moral I had a choice and was like oh no <laughs> like <laughs> will I go for convenience or will I go for morals <laughs> <laughs> the wheel the wheel imagine if you had that going through your life it was like you chose passive aggression <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor Amicia. She's just doing what she thinks is best. <laughs> she really is. She really is. She's very true to herself. It also, like, I want to talk a little bit about Hugo's development as well as a oh, character. Yes. Because it starts, like, I, I know it starts off so innocent and so wholesome. And then it it breaks my heart because it's, especially throughout Requiem, it then becomes into a very deep sense of like self-doubt and whether or not he should like he keeps questioning whether or not he should be here and like because he's causing so much pain to other people indirectly or not and it breaks my heart because it's like one a child should never have to think about that sort of thing yeah two you're having to experience it through the eyes of his sister uh knowing how he grew up as well um totally and i think he is it, it breaks my heart that he has to take on more responsibility in Requiem. Like it really made me feel quite emotional that he would start to sort of worry about her and be very kind of concerned. I mean, this sweet kid that I nannied who is basically uh, Hugo's age um, was also just a very emotionally intuitive child like Hugo and would often sort of, just be really concerned and show concern. Like, Are you okay? I think I think you should sit down. I'm like, I'm fine. You don't need to worry about me. The whole thing is that I worry about you and you don't, it doesn't go both ways. You know, you, you're a child. You get to just not have to worry. You get to be, you know, children are selfish in a non-negative sense of that word where they have to be self-absorbed for survival reasons. And so when you see a child having to be like aware of their external surroundings and be noticing that grown-ups are struggling I find that really sad because they're having to grow up too fast I know we're talking about extreme magical circumstances as well but I think the whole thing with the flowers and then moving on to feathers I find it oddly I don't know if I'm overreading it but I find it oddly symbolic when the first game flowers are sort of they're about bloom and he's blossoming and there's that line in innocence where he says something like you know, it's scary, but sometimes it's fun too being out in the world because he's led that sheltered life. Mm-hmm. And so it's this sort of blossoming and growth and putting down roots and that's what flowers are in my head. And then feathers are about letting go and they're something that's shed and they're about, yeah, leaving and flight. And go- And he has all these lines where he's like, it's okay if I die. And it's like, no, it's not. It's really not. And it's so, yeah, he... he he opens his eyes in this really heartbreaking way. Yeah. I do think it is symbolic with the feathers. I didn't even think about it like that. Like that's, it's incredibly smart the way the writers, and I'm, I, I'm sure it is deliberate. If yeah. if not, then I'm going to give them credit anyway, because it is smart. <laughs> yeah. But um, oh. gosh, yeah. Are you okay, Hannah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all right. Just me and, me and thinking about picking flowers. Oh, yeah. uh, with Hugo, which is ridiculous. Oh my god, there's the the line, because I did a playthrough of Requiem, and I was like, obviously I knew everything that was coming and everything, that where this trajectory was going, and I know that script inside out, <laughs> and the line that like really cracked me is when, right at the end, it's not a spoiler at all, but they're going towards, that she's going towards Hugo, Mm. And she comes across a flower and it's like a carnation or something. And she's like, this is the first flower he ever gave me. And I'm yeah. just like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I was just like instant waterworks. Yep. And because I played yep. them back to front, I then immediately played Innocence. And that was the first one I found. and was like, oh, oh no. no. You're like, what? <laughs> oh, God. It's too much. We're all going to be crying in a minute. I, I know. <laughs> Just the perfect time to be like, hey, let's go into spoiler territory and talk about a really horrible moment. Uh, Why? And all three of us are weeping. (laughs) So yeah, for anyone listening, we're now going to go into heavy spoiler territory uh, and talk about some of the really horrible stuff that happens in these games. Um, So if you do not want to be spoiled, 
thank you very much for listening but the next bit is not going to be for you um no. if you want to protect your emotional integrity probably the next bit is not going to be for you as well <laughs> but um <laughs> let's talk about spoilers because that is one of the biggest things that set me off on a, an emotional breakdown when i played these games um and I, I feel like we need to discuss the ending of Requiem at some point. Yes, um, some point. Or endings, as I, I realise there are two. Um, yes. Potential endings, um, which I didn't know at the start, and I looked it up afterwards because I was like, I need to know how other people reacted to this situation. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know, Hannah, how you felt about the, the ending of Requiem. Uh, well, I think I was walking towards Hugo going for the record I am not happy about this <laughs> yeah. and it was a little bit quiet afterwards and that's kind of where because I was just like I'm not I, I, I think I was holding out until right at the end that something might save the day that maybe Hugo would go like I'm gonna sort it I'm actually it, it, I can come back from this yeah. so there was a little bit in my mind that was refusing to be in any way open to what I was having to do, yeah, and then and then I did do it, didn't I? Um, yeah, yeah, I was was not particularly happy with myself, basically. I mean, it's cruel the way that <laughs> all, it, it makes you hold out hope, though, doesn't it? It's the I feel like that's the point of the whole narrative of the game is to be like, oh well, I'm not letting go, and neither is Amicia, so let's just you know, there's always some kind of hope at the end, and then realizing as you're walking towards him that actually, mm. no, this is probably it. Well, because he he in my my logic in my head was like he's beat every other single threshold and you know he's done stuff that he's not necessarily been assumed that he would do like he's beaten the odds so far maybe he can do it this time um i probably a little bit too extreme considering everything going on around with you know all of the I mean, the world um, was ending yeah 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 the world was completely lost he's being destroyed by like waves of rats um so i think i was basically lying to myself but i'm i'm okay with that i make peace with that yeah yeah i mean how was it for you charlotte even just reading the script knowing what was going to happen like yeah well i didn't i didn't get the script as a whole oh um so (laughs) we we were like i I can't actually remember how far through but we were i want to say like a fifth of the way through recording and i still didn't know what was gonna happen and the director and everyone were kind of having a bit of a laugh where they were like, she doesn't know. She doesn't know what happens. That's like, so 100%. evil. <laughs> I know. So messed up. And I was there being like, 100%, I'm dying then. Because they're being really weird about it. Um, <laughs> and I was like, I think I die. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was really... Because we, we were a little way through and you just you don't get the script as a whole to read through chronologically. Um, and so it was really, and then at a certain point, the director just went, can I tell her? And they were like, yeah, yeah. And he just went, Hugo dies. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then he was like, not only that, you kill him. He was like, uh... And I was like, no, I don't. <laughs> oh no. Oh, pretty wow. sure. I'm like, guys, not to, not to pull this card, but I'm pretty sure I know her and <laughs> pretty sure she wouldn't. And, <laughs> and it was like, I was standing there really I genuinely quite upset. I don't think they realised quite how much I was invested in these fictional characters. And then they were like, we're moving on to another scene. And I was like, I don't think um, I <laughs> no. can... Hang on. I need a minute to think about this. And it was... It was very odd because I'd been um, sort of... I'd really just been loving going back to Requiem um I just recently left my nannying job and was really really missing the kids um and so it was kind of like oh my god it's great I get to have this sort of interaction but in my job um in my recording and then they were just like oh no (laughs) no 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 No, don't 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 base that off of him um (laughs) god and so it was I mean it was awful I just didn't especially because I hadn't done the, you know, understood the whole progression. I mean, it does get to this sense of inevitability, I think. Um, the stakes get so high. <laughs> mm. And, but it's really hard because the entire, I mean, when I talk about, when people ask me what Plague Tale's about, um, it's about protecting your little brother. 
as you say, not letting go, no, you know, whatever the cost, that's your goal. And then for the game to go, uh, like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that anymore. It's, it's really, and to have him be the one be, to, to say, you have to let go. I'm okay with it. Like, oh my no. God. Because we had, that ending was written and rewritten multiple times. And so I was always sent these different versions of the ending. And we did have an ending version that was like, I don't, I don't, Amicia, I'm scared. I don't want to die. And that was just like, oh my God, that was just too, it was, it was not the direction we ended up. And they were really so sensitive about how they wanted to handle it. And obviously we weren't going to get like a close up shot of his body and we, you know, and it cuts to black and that's really important you know, we're not glorifying any of this and we're not going to make any of it sort of gross and, you know, it's sort of, so it had, it's a hard thing to write though. It's a really mm. hard thing to write. Yeah. So it's just, it, I mean, I, yeah. I hated it. I hated recording it. <laughs> it reminds me in different ways of, uh, so The Last of Us. Mm. Yes. Without the early parts of the first part of The Last of Us, um, and that is done in a very different way where I think shock factor is and the unfairness of the whole thing is yeah. done differently. But it, I, it's, it's up there for me in terms of like those quieter, quieter deaths isn't the right word, but you know, like there's a lot of, these are innocents that are just in the, in the wrong place, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's done in a very different way. Obviously it, I think they they filmed it again and again and again with with that specific one because they couldn't quite find what they were looking for, um, but it was that same that same sort of level of we've got to get it right. And I think it is one of the 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 Hugo ending is unfortunately impactful because it does it in a very different way. And I think mm. if you had if you had gone for the the Joel Sarah route, then yeah with the because she does say like I don't want to die and it is very yeah. shaky and it's like ah um and I don't think that would have worked I think you're right I think it's too yeah. it's too much especially with Hugo who's blessed puts everybody else first yeah and it's you know we there were there are various different I think there are various different emotional reactions you can have that sort of extreme like shuddering cry and that sort of personally I mean it's weird because also when I played it obviously I knew the game yeah all I wanted to do was sort of be quiet and it was the you know with crying it's kind of like curl up in a ball be by yourself and have a really sort of silent sob whereas I do think the Joel and Sarah thing is so it feels like a it feels like a scream at the world and kind of how could you it's a much more Whereas the, the, the Hugo and Amicia does, it, it's quite an internal thing because it's just like, I don't know what else we could do. And I did I did turn to them and I was like, wait, but is there a way? Is there a way that it could have been okay? And they were like, yeah, if Hugo hadn't been, you know, if they'd managed to get away to the mountains and be quiet and live a life of peace. And yeah, that could. And I was like, because there was that whole thing of finding a cure, right? And there isn't mm. a cure. It's just don't. Like use don't get stressed powers. don't get stressed yeah, yeah. that's the cure yeah. <laughs> you tried being happy yeah it is just like oh but realistically in that world in that world of cruelty that was probably never going to happen yeah um, and it is that sense of inevitability yeah. isn't it Horrible. where you, you slowly like quietly come to the realization this is what is going to have to happen whether you like it or not and it yeah. sucks With but like it does suck. I think as soon as you involve kind of magic, I guess. I never really think of it as magic. It just sort of feels like a, a force. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But as soon as you get into the world of, yeah, I'm just going to say magic for the sake of, but when, when you involve that in a narrative, you know, if you think about, um, like, I don't know, a TV show like Stranger Things and you start off with like, one demodor demogorgon i can't speak uh season two you have like multiple but they're small and then mm. season three it's like this massive thing and it, you kind of you build you have to have a build up build up and you raise the stakes raise the stakes and as soon as you raise powers and power levels it gets to a point of you can't exist in this world you literally there isn't a way that mm. that, that power can it's very very difficult i think 
you do get because I did sort of consider of course is there a way that we could change the ending and make something else happen and it's like you are talking about a kid with like cosmic powers at this yeah. point yeah. It's like you can't, the genie's kind of left the bottle. You can't. Yeah. Well, he's just going to destroy like, the, the, the graphics and all that for the destruction of towns. Oh. Absolutely stunning. Amazing. But yeah. the boy can level a whole town in what, 10 seconds? <laughs> so what, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Bless him. Exactly. What are you going to do? And he doesn't want to be hurting people. Oh, God, it's no. horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's the thing as well. I think if Hugo wasn't such a precious child. Yeah. It it wouldn't be we wouldn't be feeling as bad about it. No. Like if he was an abs if he was like Damien levels of douchebaggery, <laughs> we'd be like, get yeah. out, child. Um, <laughs> right. But the fact he is so self aware and he does mm. value other people and all of that. Yeah, and he's so he's so sensitive and he's so so worried about other people and he's. Um, I mean, you know, his care, for, his attachment to Arno, I find really oh, it's adorable, and heartbreaking. Oh, it's so sweet. Um, yeah. I love, I love Arno. I mean, oh, I think me too. Harry, the the voice actor. When I met him, I was like, I'm such a big fan. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think you're really cool. Um, he was like, Hello. Um, but you know, he's so sweet. He's so great. And the whole, I just love Arno as a character so much, and I think he's really, really interesting. And that whole his dynamic with with little Hugo is just and Hugo just being like no we're gonna go back to him I see goodness in people and why is he right like why is why does he get this right his readings of people are amazing he knows magic he child knows. Magic, magic child has much <laughs> relationships with people I, he he does have an extraordinary level of empathy considering he was basically locked up in a room for four years <laughs> yeah maybe he was just like giving Beatrice therapy or something and <laughs> she would go in and be like Hugo I've been feeling down he's like, let me talk to you about it mum oh, and their relationship is so Beatrice is such an interesting character because she she and Hugo of course they're really bonded and he feels really in a very biological way I do think he's very like mummy I want to go back to her mm. and um, he feels very attached to her but he they don't really have an emotion it's very sort of I'm a mother figure and I will do what's best for you or what I believe is best for yeah. you. Um and then obviously Amicia and Beatrice is very tense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that's not because I, I think in the first one there was elements of like jealousy because Hugo kept mummy kept mummy away. Yes. <laughs> it, it wasn't I don't think it was a deli- well, I don't, I can't remember if it was specifically thought about, but obviously she had the dad for hunting yeah. and all of that, and he had the mum. Um and I did think it was interesting that, yeah, when she does reappear, when she does reappear, that there is also a clash over what's best for Hugo. Just like, I'm the mother, I've been doing this for years, but then you have Amicia who's going, well, actually, yeah. it's macula, and we've been doing great, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And she does it based off intuition and instinct, and she's not always right, but she's also, I like that she's willing to admit that she's she is quite stubborn mm. but she is also like yeah that was not the correct decision <laughs> she's yeah. got to appreciate mm. yeah i did like how she was sort of navigating her way through uh it's not the, the protector is it but that protecting role that comes with yeah i quite liked that and i was like is this are we getting maybe that will be if we do get anything further maybe that will be the direction it goes in it's mm. trying to prevent the macula from coming back because it is a continuous repeating yeah. thing yeah. yeah and that's hinted at quite a lot as well and it's it's kind of un, unknown whether it's hinted at whether she kind of fails or not obviously at the very end yeah so it's it's that weird sense of is it coming back like is, is there going to be another is it is going to happen all over again like i don't know if i'm emotionally yeah. ready for that but it's, I don't know, it's interesting. And I, I mean, especially post, you know, Hugo ending, because I can't bring myself to say it properly. It's, it's post Hugo ending. Poor Hugo. <laughs> Where she goes to the memorial and just sits with him for a little bit mm. and talks to him. And I think that's a very, it's it's not nice, but it's a nice way for people to be able to say goodbye. Um, and I just wondered if you thought like any other players have used or found solace in the same way with their own trauma um, and their own loss of people. If you've had any, like, I don't know if you've had anyone ever yeah. come up to you and be like, hey, this actually really helped me. 
but it was um yeah <laughs> yeah i haven't really i haven't met many fans in person but i do i would say i get messages pretty much daily and a lot of people uh, open up about grief and loss and mental health ptsd anxiety depression all of these things and that people talk about death of a sibling as well and people's for me that's never something that i realized that this game would be doing i never and that feels huge because i wanted people to experience it and enjoy it and yeah feel the emotion but i never thought that people would see themselves as much as they did and um and connect and that that feels like the most ridiculous honour for me to be able to have... Because that scene, I think, is just beautiful. Um, and, you know, this this game, I feel like I was, I was able to kind of put a lot of my own life into this game and the writers put a lot of their life into this game and then other people go and play it and they see themselves in this game and it's this beautiful shared, you know... We can cry for a museum, we can cry for ourselves, we can cry for Hugo, and it's, um, I, it's, I find it very, very moving to have people reach out and say that moments like that have helped them, and that being able to be with Hugo in-game is some sort of comfort. I mean, it's just... Pfft. Yeah, I'm gonna start crying in a minute. Okay. Oh, no! <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Ooh. yeah. No, it's okay. Um... Yeah, no, it's, I'm glad that someone is as empathetic as you is able to be in the role that so many people have found comfort in mm. and seeing, Thank you know, you. someone like Amicia get through it, it which feels like it's never going to happen. Like, you know, if you look yeah. at that from an outside perspective, you're like, no one's going to survive that. That's terrible. And you see it happen. That is, the, the flashback to a year forward is really important because I don't think any of us want to see the direct aftermath. I don't no, think any of no. us want to know what that was. But, I mean, whether it's extreme grief and death or it's a bit of a rotten breakup or whatever it is, you know, people... It's a horrible thing to hear when you're going through it, but people will be like, you'll get through this, you will get through this. And the fact of the matter is you will. It's just time. And it's she's not okay. She will never be okay. No. But she's... She has her favourite place. She's got that waterfall. She's got Sophia. She's got she's got a purpose. She's, you know, you find things in life. I think it's, I remember somebody explaining that, you know, your grief, it doesn't go away. It never gets smaller. Your grief will stay the same size, but your life gets bigger. So in comparison, that grief is not as, it doesn't take up as much of your life, but you haven't let that grief go away. You haven't stopped holding that candle for someone. And I think that's, that's it. Amicia's life is going to continue to get bigger and Hugo, of course, that's always going to be there. And I know I'm talking about a fictional character here, but it's... No, we're um, all in this together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's important and I think it's, and that's also, you know, when people have experienced pain and loss and which can come in many, many forms, you go and you find that in other stories, in books, in games, in films and games are so special because of that the fact that you're in it you are Amicia for however many hours it takes you to complete that game it's not you don't have that degree of separation but yeah that feels really special yeah but and that's why it's so exciting that all of these all of these games including Plague Tale are beginning to or have focused on storytelling and doing it well because we don't mm. we don't get really that ability to connect. I mean, maybe maybe with a book, because obviously you're imagining yes. and first person narration. I think yeah, 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 that kind of. But yeah. when you have TV and film, obviously it's very scripted, third person generally, mm. and all of that. So it is a lot harder to connect. Um, and it just we've had so many good heavy hitting. It's either siblings or parents, isn't it, theme-wise? Yeah. And they're all so wonderfully done. But it does feel like you're going through an emotional rigour for the entire thing. Yeah, and oh. to be honest, I really admire and take my hat off to people who play Plague Tale and games like that because I'm like, I think if I came back from work 
the last thing I'd want to do is do that. Like, it's, I mean, I felt when I played, obviously, again, I knew what was going to happen. But when I played it, I felt really sick towards the end, like really physically sick in Mm. this way that I was just like, I don't, I don't want to, like, had there not, had I not been streaming it, I would have left. Like, I wouldn't do it. I just couldn't. It was hard enough recording it and it was but it's an odd thing because it's like how do you get into that emotional space I've, I've got to say I was there like so fast you know I would watch the scenes a lot of the scenes which did not require crying and I would watch them with the automated like bot voice and I would cry because <laughs> it was just it always felt the booth is a lovely safe space where you can just let all your emotions fly and um you can scream you can shout you can cry and it's for the that final scene they just had me stand in front of the microphone and cry for several minutes they were like can we just after we'd done the actual noises and we did the alternative ending and all of that stuff they just had me stand and cry in front of the microphone until somebody said stop and I think everyone was quite uncomfortable because normally the instinct is to go, hey, 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 shh, shh, let's say, it's mm. okay, it's okay. But they just had to let me cry. And it's pretty powerful. I've got to say, I do think people should just try it. And it's, I think it's a good, it's definitely something I try to do with kids when I'm looking after them is to let them experience the emotion they're feeling rather than try and shut it down and to just let them cry. And you just stay with them while they're crying. Just hold their hand. It's not nice. It doesn't feel good for you, but it feels good for them. And... So I felt pretty amazing just standing there with everyone silently listening <laughs> and I just wept That's and it was such amazing. a bizarre <laughs> feeling to go through like I can't imagine doing that with someone but it, it kind of sounds like oddly therapeutic in a way. Yeah it definitely was it def- like it definitely was and I think you know everyone especially because all of the guys from Asobo were on Zoom audio and they oh, were just God. sitting there like <laughs> around their computer like listening to me oh god (laughs) it's like i mean to be fair they didn't tell you for some time that hugo was going to be killed (laughs) and i think it was we had a few tech hitches while we were recording that alternative ending scene um so we had to do it several times and I just continued to cry in between takes because I was like, I can't just bring myself out, have a laugh in the studio, bring myself back in. So I was just standing there. And we also that day, it was so weird. We happened to have a stand-in director because my director was out. And we also had a stand-in sound engineer because our usual sound engineer, the director and sound engineer and I had a really close relationship, but the sound engineer had COVID and it was all sort of mm-hmm. these various things where it was just, I had two new strangers in the in the control room and I was just standing there and the, they kept being like you okay like because they're sort of worried about this they just met me and then I'm just standing there and I was like I'm fine but I am gonna have to just stay being not fine for a bit <laughs> yeah once you're in that space it, I feel like you just need to stay in it before you oh come yeah, out again. yeah. It's, it's a it's exhausting as well to have to be like oh I'll just you know cheer myself up and then come back to it and then be devastated again like that's a lot you just have to you just have to sit in it for a while and it's you know if you've ever gone to therapy I'm sure you know you'll have experienced therapists saying things like just sit with that emotion yeah you feel sad you feel angry just sit with that don't try and fix it with something else just just leave it as is and I genuinely got to do all of that in the booth because it's all like soundproof so they'd also be like can you scream can you scream any louder and I'm like yes I have not done this since I was about three years old oh in the God. supermarket but that I'll sounds like therapy in itself I want to do right that. it is it is I think it's so great um it's very freeing very very freeing <laughs> become a voice actor today <laughs> And so to end it on a slightly lighter note, just for, for all of our sakes as well. Yes. What was your favourite moment to record? Oh, wow. That's a big question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is a really big question. Or one of your favourite moments. The, the whole of chapter two, that fair scene, I loved. I was just grinning the whole time. thought it was so sweet. I just, yeah, I loved, I really, really loved that moment. Um, and it, there are lots of little moments like that where when we're on the boat and Hugo is getting really excited and he's so and it was like when I'd kind of well up a little bit 
even though I wasn't supposed to be crying. <laughs> I'd well up just from sheer like, this is so lovely and this is so beautiful to have him, to see him being like this. And yeah, I think those very, very lovely childlike moments, uh, moments with the goats when Hugo's getting all yes. nervous. He's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. It's not going to hurt you. I love that and just, so much with the side quest as well about <laughs> helping Oh my God, yeah, back. Tremontaine or whatever. Is, yeah, and I think all of those moments for me are lovely because they felt so authentically me and they felt it wasn't a kind of point of acting obviously there are a lot of bits in the game where I was like oh let me get into her mindset and doing it but there were a lot of moments in Requiem far more so than Innocence I think which I just felt like oh there's a lot of me in this game which is really enjoyable to you know to um to put in the smiles and to put in the laughs and um that's the sweetness and we had one bit as well which ended up not making it into the game um where I sang to Hugo um I mean I didn't sing I was humming um but I hummed the the kind of main theme to calm him down Mm. and I loved that I just yeah any moments of tenderness yeah my heart is so full (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh it's so good it's so well done yeah it is and thank you so much for like being so candid and sharing your experiences with us as well because it's it's always lovely to see like actors connecting so much with the characters as well because I feel like it means more to like it's so yeah. nice to be able to connect with a character on screen talk with them in real life and hear how much yeah. it means to them as well like so thank you so much oh my gosh well thank you for talking to me about it I mean I think it's so lovely to highlight that the side that people have really been connecting with, I think, which is that the anxiety, the the depression, the yeah. PTSD, all of the, the grief, the loss, all of these things that just, um, yeah, they're awfully human in the middle of a plague infested world. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Safe Space. If you're struggling, please know that there is support out there. And if you're looking for somewhere to start, please do visit our website at safeinourworld.org for a list of global helplines, information and support. You can also find us on all of the social medias at Safe in Our World if you'd like to follow the charity in our future endeavours. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.